Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back with Megan Doherty to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are doing Loki Season 2. It is a rollicking, great show, lots of action, some fabulous sci-fi. Of course, Loki the Trickster and Tom Hiddleston, the actor who plays him in all his glory. Owen Wilson also co-stars, and the repartee between the two of them is first rate. I know you'll enjoy Megan and my exploration of Loki Season 2. Take up the show from several angles. From the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy our exploration of Loki Season 2. We have reached the end of this series of Because That's What Heroes Do by ending Loki Season 2 with Episode 6, Glorious Purpose. We begin as Loki time slips to the moment before the temporal loom's explosion. Despite his attempts, the loom ultimately fails to accommodate the infinite branches. Loki slips to the moment before Sylvie kills He Who Remains, who tells Loki that the loom is a failsafe. Overloading it protects the sacred timeline by deleting the branches along with the TVA. He Who Remains suggests Loki kill Sylvie to save the loom, which Loki, of course, rejects. After consulting Mobius and Sylvie at different moments in time, Loki replaces Timely in the approaching loom. Loki destroys the loom, magically rejuvenating the dying timelines, and he rearranges them into a tree-like structure, committing himself to oversee the branches alone at the end of time. The TVA now tracks he who remains variants across the growing branches. With Mobius reporting one variant being stopped at Earth 616 adjacent realm, B 15 becomes one of the TVA leaders. Ouroboros reactivates a now friendly Miss Minutes and writes a new TVA handbook with Timely as the co author. In one timeline, Timely did not receive the TVA handbook in 1863. Renslayer awakens in the void and encounters Alawith. Mobius retires from the TVA, and he and Sylvie observe Don and his children from afar. Now Megan Doherty joins us. Megan, we are at the end, and we are at Loki Episode 6, the final episode. What were your initial thoughts? Because I can't ask you what your expectations were, because whatever they, they were greatly exceeded. My very initial reaction to it was very similar to my uh, reaction to episode one. What's going on? Why don't I get it? <laughs> I was able to, to spend a little more time with the content, and eventually I thought it, it whoa, <laughs> it packed a big emotional punch. It said a lot of really good things. I loved it. This was a great series. What about you? I loved it at the end because at the end it seemed to me to be as fine, if not ending, an exclamation point or period on one phase, one complete cycle of an MCU character's development Mm -hmm. that we have not seen in um, 
really any other character. Now we've seen, obviously seen growth and Tony Stark, Iron Man Mm -hmm. is good at character, Incredible Hulk. It doesn't matter which character they've all grown. But here we had a really literally from a God of mischief to the guy. He's called now the God of stories. Uh, I thought it was closer to the God of life because I thought he was holding together the tree of life. But what he tried to learn in episode five around controlling his time slipping, he put into practice in episode six. And it was as fine a science fiction as you could have ever asked for, in my opinion. Oh, and the montage to end all montages. It was great. Just the going back again and again with the, the little indications of how much time had been passing. Just, wow, what a lot of work to put in to save the universe. From the character you'd never expect it from. Yes, absolutely. And and what it brought, I know this is a completely different analogy, but when Bruce Springsteen really became Bruce Springsteen, it was when he released his album Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And he recorded the album and re-recorded it some 300 times. Wow. And he would just say again, uh, because it wasn't right to the sound in his head. Here, Loki was saying, Again, and it wasn't right, but he could change uh, what was happening to make it right. And that was to speed everything up. And uh, the point where he realized that Timely was not going to be able to keep the timeline together, and he walked out and took his place. I don't recall there being any dialogue or even an internal monologue. It was just he recognized he had to do it. I'm not sure if at that point he recognized he was moving to deity status or not, but it seemed to me he recognized this was his destiny to keep the timeline together. He, as the timeline was, I'm not sure you'd call it spaghetti-ing, but as it was splitting, he was grabbing individual timelines and holding them together and putting them together in bundles and then putting them into the tree. Mm. And I guess I wasn't, I wondered how he realized this is it. Only I can do it. This is my destiny and I'm going to fully do this. Oh. Do you have a different interpretation of any of that? Yeah. I think the whole episode was leading up to exactly that because first he's thinking I can change this functionally. I can change this with the science, like he talked about with OB originally. And he goes back and he tries to alter how the resources or the information that the team has to try and get the the new part into the time loom to try and fix it. And realizes that's not going to work. It's got to go back a little further. So then he has iteration after iteration where he's fighting uh, Sylvie, trying to convince her not to kill. He remains and he fails. And then they have this, he comes in conversation with he remains Understanding that, no, it's not about when it happens. It's not about how it happens. It's about who is doing it. And I think that's when he realizes, but he still can't do it because he is, he believes, I think at first that the thing he's got to do, I thought they were leading up to him killing Sylvie. I thought that was going to be the solution to this problem. But instead he goes back and he talks to Mobius. And that, I think for me, that was his conversation with Mobius in that kind of screening room that had the biggest emotional impact to me where they talk about the meaning of purpose and how you're burdened with glorious purpose and it's more burden than purpose. Oh, that was the part I think that really got me in the episode. And that's when he really knew the burden 
he has to take on the burden. No one else can take on the burden. He's the only one who has the knowledge. He's the only one who has the power. Uh, and so he's got to do it. And just he knew because of knowing Sophie, every Loki is going to lose or end up alone. Well, he doesn't have to lose. He can win, but he is going to end up alone. It just it was shattering. And I agree. At first, I thought he was going to have to kill Sylvie, and that would be the turning point. But no, he didn't. And But he did recognize, and I know I've said this in this podcast, and I certainly said it in our prior one, episode five, this incredible growth from literally the God of mischief to the God of stories and really achieving a level of deity status that his brother and father had uh, that he never had. I'm not quite sure how he's going to get to share it now, because the other thing that flashed in my mind was the Greek myth of Atlas, who mm-hmm. stands at the end of the earth and holds the sky up on his shoulders. And there's a story involving Hercules where he tricks Atlas and Atlas is condemned to holding up the sky forever. But the last scene, as they pan back from uh, Loki sitting in the tree, I thought of Atlas and it, is that his epitaph now to sit, holding it all together, or will he be able to insert himself back into a story at some point going forward? I don't know. I, I think the, the Atlas is a good analogy. I got Doctor Who from it. I got the uh, the last of the Time Lords, because that's what he said, we're all stories in the end. And that's, if Loki became the god of stories, he's holding everyone's stories. And if he's the god of stories, then that's exactly where he needs to be. I thought it was, thought it was extremely elegant. Shout out for you to tapping into your <laughs> colonial heritage. We rarely hear that from you. But actually, great analogy. I've not seen Doctor Who in that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, and just the lonely Time Lord. Oh. What about the epilogue? Wasn't that just as great a wrap-up as you possibly could have asked for? And this was, I think, one of the things that I found it so hard to understand initially is, so Loki created the TVA. He created the new TVA to work with the new World Tree universe. Uh, and all the growing, and it's our job to grow together instead of prune the branches and all the imagery and all the... It was, it was gorgeous and uh i think the other i think i didn't find it feel like mobius's story was quite resolved maybe because didn't fully reinsert but watching him at least see his family was quite lovely and just yeah the the end i still have the very the epilogue i don't quite understand yet i don't think but everything that came before it was so emotionally satisfying i'm okay with it i was so thrilled to see miss minutes that uh, sort of you covered everything for me. I love Miss Minutes. We've got to get and you a T-shirt. So great. <laughs> if Santa says I've been a good boy, maybe Santa will bring me one. But Miss Minutes, hope you brought her back. Hopefully she's not the AI-killing drone that she became, <laughs> or AI-killing machine, rather. So I love that. I loved, obviously, Don, with, and then Loki, it was not clear to me if he was invisible to Don or he was on a just a different temporal plane. Mm-hmm. But I saw a lot of wistfulness in Loki's eyes on that scene. Mm-hmm. Even though the focus was on Don, I felt really almost a sadness and a joy because Mobius was where he wanted to be and where he mm-hmm. belonged. And Loki couldn't be a part of that going forward. Yeah, it's just... So heartbreaking. It gave me some comfort to know that Mobius' place in the timeline was mid-blip. So he hopefully got 
his wife and the mother of his children back and they became a happy family again. But I guess it remains to be seen. What, what did you think of the Renslayer final scene in the void at the end of time? She's just off some really important people. <laughs> she, um, she does have a good, uh, a good role though. Um, she, I think is going to keep Renslayer uh, for those who, uh, don't recall it was pruned in episode four, but she wakes up in the void, and now she lives in the uh, with the entity Alawith, and the uh, I think there's more of her story to come, um, potentially a connection with the Kang variant who appeared at one one Mania, Ramatut, but it's an open question at this point. The one that I really enjoyed was Victor Timely because it went back to the opening scene where the TVA handbook was placed on his windowsill. And it goes back to the scene where he's working on his candles and the windowsill is open and you see the curtain flutter from the breeze, but no book appears. Mm -hmm. And so that seems to me to indicate that he will not go down that variation of time of the timeline, but he'll live out his life as fraudster or inventor or whatever he was mm. in that episode, Victor Timely. Of course, because now Loki is he who remains. That's, yes. That's just, what a journey so, for a lonely god. I think I was just stunned by the ending, and I never would have thought Loki would be the one to, to save literally the world or the universe even. I'm not sure where he goes from here. Um, some of the readings I did for this podcast suggested or basically hoped there's no Loki season three because they thought they nailed this ending so perfectly. Um, my sense is that he will reappear in the multiverse movie series at some point uh, because now he is literally a deity. So um, uh, I just thought that this just nailed it perfectly, Megan. I think so. I was also doing some reading about this episode, and I think it was Owen Wilson, so about Mobius, in an interview said, no, we've got to let this be the ending. Let them, let us close the book. No one ever closes the book anymore. And I hope they are brave enough to keep the book closed. I like Loki in this spot. I hope they do it. We'll have to see. It's the MCU, so they might drag several more seasons out of it. Well, Megan, that brings us to the end of Loki season two for this series, because that's what heroes do. Probably be our last episode posting before the holidays, mm -hmm. uh, before Christmas. So I want to wish everyone a happy holidays. I hope you've enjoyed our exploration of Loki season two as much as we have enjoyed <laughs> watching it and talking about it on this podcast. With that, I am Tom Fox. I'm Megan Doherty. Thank you, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this full six-part series as much as Megan and I have enjoyed recording our podcast and bringing it to you. Megan and I are going to take a short hiatus, and then we'll be back in 2024 with two special series. The first will be our top 10 episodes from Deep Space Nine, and then we're going to take a deep dive into our favorite MCU characters and explore them. If you've got a favorite MCU character and you'd like to be a part of that podcast series, please reach out to us. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to have some guests on our series on MCU characters. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. 
this special edition of Because That's What Heroes Do is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.